Good morning, everyone. Pastor Greg here. Welcome to December 27th. I hope you had a beautiful Christmas celebration. And we come to the last weekend of the year 2020. <laughs> wow, what a year it's been. So, so many challenges, uh, so many difficulties, uh, some of us grieving, a deep sense of loss. Some have lost loved ones. Others have lost their jobs or lost parts of, parts of their income. Uh, you've lost opportunities in, in your social circles, in your business, in your school. All these activities that have been canceled and shuttered. It's been so hard. Someone, someone jokingly said if, if 2020 was a drink, it would be a colonoscopy prep kit, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty funny and pretty accurate. Uh, and if you haven't experienced a colonoscopy yet, you're too young for that. When you do, you'll have a better appreciation for the comment. But we have endured the best we can, and uh, we're looking forward now to this next new year. I know the vaccines are out there, and pretty soon all of this COVID business is going to be behind us, and that'll be a great, a great uh, time of freedom and liberation for all of us. In the meantime, let me just say that we're still uh, struggling with the virus, and it's, it's still a susceptibility in our culture, still lots of pressure points on our medical staff, and and responders and hospital capacities and those kinds of things. And so this is December 27th. Next week is the first weekend in 2021, January the 3rd. And we're going to maintain online only week by week. So you just have to stay tuned into our announcements, our updates, keep checking online. And we will announce the week ahead of when we're going to open the campus again, when that might be. But beginning next week, we're still online only, January the 3rd, and we'll go week by week uh, following that. And I hope you understand. And so that's our strategy. God bless you, and thanks for all your prayers and support. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verses 1 to 8. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to this young protege, Timothy. And these are his words. He said, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. May God inspire, instruct us, enlighten us through his word today. Thank you so much. Well, we venture now into a new year, new beginnings, new opportunities, and it's always a, a, a wonderful and exciting time to get a fresh start and a new beginning. But let me, just, uh, let me just remind you 
that in order for us to appreciate and to seize the opportunity of fresh starts and new beginnings, we always have to keep our eye on the goal. We have to always see the finish line. Keep that in mind, to keep it out in front of us, to recognize that's where we're going, that's where we're heading, that's our destination. When we, when we finish at that point, we want to finish well. We want to finish in an honorable way. And this message then is designed for that purpose. I want to start with the finish line in mind. Uh, one of our good friends, uh, Dr. Mark Rutland, tells the story of being at a Christian booksellers convention in Dallas, Texas. This was a number of years ago. And he was leaving the Tarrant County Convention Center and found that it was pouring rain. So he huddled under the eave of that building until he saw a taxi pull up. And so he ran out and jumped into that taxi. As he entered that taxi, he, he caught the strong odor of alcohol. It was so strong, he thought that someone had spilled a bottle of alcohol in the back seat. And when he mentioned it to the driver, the driver turned around and spoke to him. And when the driver spoke to him, Dr. Rutland realized the source of the odor was not the back seat, but it was coming from the driver. I mean, his breath was heavy with alcohol. Mark said, you know, I believe I'll, I'll wait for another taxi. It's pouring rain, <laughs> streets are wet, visibility is poor, and you're drunk. And the driver got real mad. I mean, instantly upset. You just came out of that Christian booksellers convention, didn't you? He asked. Mark said, yes, but that doesn't change the condition either of us are in. I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven, but I'm in no hurry. And the driver was furious. And as Mark started to get out of the taxi, the driver said, you don't think I know all about that stuff? He said, I used to be the pastor of the, one of the largest Baptist churches in this city. I've preached everything you've preached. I know it better than you know it. But, so you get out of my taxi. He yelled at Mark. He said, you smug, sanctimonious, self-righteous people. All you do is judge. And Mark said, look, I'm not judging you. I just don't want to be committed to you. I don't want to commit my life to you, my safety to you. You need to go somewhere and sober up. You're going to kill yourself or someone else. The driver reached back across the seat and, and grabbed the door that Mark had just exited from and slammed it shut. The rear window was still rolled down. And just before he pulled away, he yelled at Dr. Rutland and he said, this could be you. The man roared up Commerce Street, his taillights disappearing. And our friend Mark Rutland said that he walked all the way back to his hotel in the rain. And he said he's never been able to forget that moment. There was a moment in that taxi driver's life that he sat in a church. Probably sat in a church service just like the one you're sitting in right now. He sat in a moment just like we are in this moment. And he had a vision of his life. And he had, a, he had dreams for his ministry and his work. And he saw them out ahead of him. Now, let me just remind you that no one starts their Christian journey by saying, well, what I hope my life comes to uh, is hypocritical ruination. <laughs> yeah, I, I want my life, let's see, I'm starting out well, but I want by the end of my life to be some backslidden drunk driving a taxi cab in a major city. That's my goal in life. There was a moment in this man's life when his dreams were clear. They were sharp. They were focused. He saw his life 
out ahead of him. There was probably a moment when he sat somewhere with a Bible on his lap, prayers on his lips, thinking, I'm going to do great things for God. God's going to use me. I'm going to make a difference in the world. I I know God has given me gifts and capacity, special talents, and I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them to honor God and help people. Don't beguile yourself with the idea that this guy was always messed up. He was always bent in some way. He wasn't always bent. He had a brave, passionate, hopeful beginning. He did. And by what he said, apparently he built a great ministry along the way. So what happened? What happened to this guy? What happens to any person? Well, one thing we, we can know for sure about him, we don't know much about him, but we do know for sure one thing. He lost sight of the finish line. He lost sight of it. He stopped focusing on the finish. And he lost his way. The Apostle Paul didn't lose sight of his finish line. He sure didn't. His journey was long and difficult. The man who wrote these words to Timothy that we have just read from 2 Timothy, he lived every day of his life with some kind of controversy, pressure points, physical danger. He was shipwrecked, snake bitten, stoned nearly to death. He was beaten. He was imprisoned, rejected. His family rejected him. His tribe, the Jewish people, rejected him. And yet he endured to the place where he was able to write the words, I have finished. I have finished my course, obedient to God's call on my life. That's remarkable. That's an amazing thing. Now, let me just make a statement. And this is going to catch some of you off a bit. Uh, I am aware of all of the voices in our culture right now. There's a, there's a new phrase in our vernacular, our nomenclature, uh, that, that describes a person as woked. It's, it's a derogatory term indicating people who are, who are ultra-sensitive and, and seemingly morally superior and, and all about justice for everybody who's uh, not getting it as they perceive it. And, and so they're woked. And I know that I'm going to tweak a bunch of woked people right now. And you should also know that I couldn't, I couldn't really care whether you get tweaked or not. Um, because I have some convictions about some things. And I want to share with them right now. One of them is this. That there's a, there's a spirit now that haunts this country. You could probably list a number of negative forces that haunt this country right now. But one of the spirits is the spirit of entitlement. And it haunts many, many people in our country today. It is people who believe that they they should receive things just because they exist. I'm entitled because I'm breathing. I'm entitled because I'm here. 
And of course, uh, with identity politics, it, it gets exacerbated by, by race, by creed, by gender, by color, by status in the community, economic status, political connections, all that. All of these become now reference points for people to claim victimization and entitlement. And so large numbers of people expect the roof over their head to be subsidized by someone, the food that they eat to be subsidized by someone, that there should be free health care for everyone just because we exist. There should be free education, free college for everyone just because I'm breathing air and I'm entitled. And on and on this list goes. And let me just say that this, 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 is, a, this is a plague that has invaded and per- perpetrated our culture. And let me just say, for those of you who hold such views, that it's not necessarily your fault. It's really my generation's fault. I, I take responsibility for it. You know, I've, I've been on the watch here for the last 40 years in this country, in my community, and it's only gotten worse, you know? So I have to bear responsibility as a leader at this moment in history for everything that's happening. But we have bought into the idea of entitlement, that I deserve something just because I'm here. Now, let me just share with you the higher value. And let me be succinct. I believe that people deserve what they have worked for. If you are able-bodied and able-minded, assuming that you're able, you're capable in mind and body, then the higher value in my opinion, is that people deserve what they have worked for. That self-sufficiency and earning your own way is the best way. That's the best way. That's the higher value. That's the more honorable way. That's the more godly way. That's the more scriptural way. That's the more biblical way. If you're able-bodied and able-minded. And, and, and so you, you deserve what you've worked for. That's my, that's my worldview. Now, having said that, let me just mention these points that I think will help anyone finish well. Get to the finish line with your life intact. Here's the first thing. Endure hardship gladly. Endure hardship gladly. See, a spirit of entitlement cannot endure hardship. Cannot. Verse 5 from our text, Paul said, but you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do your work. Endure hardship. Keep your head. Do your work. Endure hardship. It's part of the deal. Now, some folks grew up on the, on the right side of town. Some people grew up in the right family. They always had more than enough. They're the smart ones. They're attractive. They're athletic. They're gifted. They're the ones who earned the scholarships. They got the better jobs. And the rest of us thought, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, let me help you get in touch with the universe today. Because I'm an old guy with a, with a perspective that I'm sharing very forthrightly today. Let me give you help to get in touch with the universe. Here it is. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. There. That's the truth. And so you have to come to terms with that. And because life is not fair, hardship will come to you. And what, and what God admonishes us to do is to endure that hardship. And in fact, endure it gladly. Because as it turns out, God will use the hardships in our life to shape our character and shape 
our identity into the image of Christ and make us more fit and more ready for the next things God has in store for us on our journey to that finishing well. So endure it gladly. Some folks were born behind the eight ball, disjointed, dysfunctioning family culture, never had modeled the values of love or faith or hard work or higher education. Some people born with physical handicaps, others with learning disabilities. There are no qualifiers in this text. It simply says endure hardship. If that's what has befallen you, endure it. This is so counterintuitive, so counterculture, right, to say this right now. But to endure it. Some people were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and much opportunity. The great challenge for such persons is to reject the notion of entitlement. I've always had everything I've ever wanted. It's always come easy to me. I've always been lavished. I've, the door's always been open to me. I've just always had great privilege in my life. Somehow, that person has got to believe that they are not better than anyone else. Because the truth is no one's better than anyone else. No one's more valuable. Uh, nobody is intrinsically worth more than any other person on the whole planet. And so people of privilege have to come to terms with that. We're not better because of any reason. We're all the same in the eyes of God. We're all equal in the same eyes of God. We're intrinsically valuable at the same level as everyone else. And gosh, it takes maturity for a person who's lived with privilege or entitlement their whole life and unique opportunity to come to terms with that. So here's the admonition. Endure hardship gladly. Endure hardship gladly. Now, here's the second thing. Prepare well. Prepare well. The Apostle Paul graduated from the finest theological graduate school of his generation. It was called the Gamaliel School in Jerusalem. Gamaliel was a, was a leading uh, rabbi and a brilliant scholar and started this school. And the Apostle Paul actually mastered multiple languages, which speaks of a liberal arts education. He was the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, you might ask if he had any organizational management. Well, yeah, he just set up the New Testament church all, through, all throughout Central Asia, or, uh, Asia Minor. So, yeah, seems like he had some skills, some abilities. Here's all I'm saying. Sharpen your tools before you get to the garden. Paul says to Timothy, be diligent. Prepare well. Let me remind you, Moses was 80 years old before he began his ministry. He was 80, 80 years of preparation. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three, 30 years of prep, three years of actual ministry. Martin Luther, 16th century reformer, Protestant reformer, had an earned PhD. John Wesley, our father in the Methodist movement, was an Oxford Don. Paul was prepared and took the time to prepare young Timothy. So here's the point. We are here to act, to serve, to give, to influence, and we are also here to prepare. And so here's my advice to you. Settle in for the long haul. Learn everything you can. Learn everything you can learn along the way. Let life and the opportunities in front of you prepare you for this journey, this long-run view that God has in store for you so that you can get to the finish line and, and do that well. Um, you've heard me make this confession. I'll make it again in this context. I did high school, college, and graduate school stupid. 
I just wasn't as wise as I should have been. I, I can blame other people for that, but I should blame myself. And my goal in every class I attended was to get out of that class. I can recall the first day of kindergarten. I can describe the room to you. It was so jolting, so shocking to me to be away from my mother and in school, you know, for a whole day. And, and so I remember my first thoughts of my first day of my first class in formal education. My thought was, I got to get out of here. <laughs> now, I felt that way about every class I ever attended for 20, the next 20 years. And it wasn't the best attitude to have. Now, now, your primary goal when you're in school is to finish school. That's not a bad goal. And that's a good goal for some folks in today's culture who are finding it difficult to actually finish what they start, especially with higher education. And so once you get in school, let's get to the finish line and move on to the next thing God has. But in my case, I was just too impatient to get going, to get out, to get moving. And I didn't take as much advantage as I should, as I could have, to learn more along the way. Um, some of you know that I had an athletic background. You just have to trust me when I say that. You just take it by faith. But I, but I was an athlete back in the day. And, and I observed something when I was in athletics. That there were game players and there were practice players. And so I just say, give me a practice player every time. Give me a practice player who's my teammate every time. There were always those guys who just went through the motions. And what they did was they relied on their natural abilities in practice. So they're just not really making the effort in practice. They would always show up on game night ready to put on the uniform and perform and show off you know, their natural talents. I resented people like that then, and I still do. I still do. Now, I meet people who want to be in the spotlight, receiving credit for things they have not done, presuming stature and presence they have not earned, expecting promotion without merit, now, these are people who talk, 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 but there is lacking in their lives the do, 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 do. And I've observed this my whole life. And, and I resent it to no end. And so my admonition comes from the Apostle Paul through Timothy, prepare well. If you want to finish well, you have to prepare well. Let today and the challenges of today and the opportunities for practice and endurance today prepare you for the challenges and opportunities of tomorrow. It's, it's, a, it's a long run view. It's not a short run view. And so take your time to get as much as you can, learn as much as you can, learn along the way. Prepare well. Now here's number three. Keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the goal. Now fast forward to the end. I want you to see something. I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine yourself, see yourself graduating. See yourself getting the job. See yourself earning the promotion. See yourself starting a new business. See yourself in that ministry role. See yourself with a family, a family that is whole and devoted to Christ. See yourself in your last days of life. Have you ever done this exercise? I've done it. I encourage you to do it. Place yourself on your deathbed. You're in your deathbed, never getting up again. That's where it ends for you. Picture yourself there. See all of your family around you. 
Let me ask you this question. What do you want those moments to be filled with? With your family, people closest to you, around you. You're dying. This is it. This is the end. What emotions do you want in the room? Do you want resentment? Do you want regret? Do you want unresolved conflict? And the worst of all emotions in a setting like that? Hopelessness? No peace? No assurance? No hope? What do you want? Or, on the other hand, do you want those most precious to you to be close to you, experiencing together with you the presence of Christ? The peace of God that passes all understanding. Love for one another. Love for God. Filled with the eternal hope that God in Christ alone can provide. A hope that does not disappoint. Sad, but celebrating. Filled with grief, but even more with hope. What do you want? What do you want at the end? The Apostle Paul came to that moment. It's in our text. Verses 7 and 8, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed his appearing. Can I just remind you, stay focused on your primary goals. Take note of where you want to be in the future. This is how you finish well. You know, young people, the younger you are, the harder it is for you to hear this message today. Young people actually believe that they will live long and be young the whole way. Are you going to live a long life? Oh, yeah. And how are you going to be your whole life? Oh, just like I am now. You're going to be young the whole way. This is what young people believe. Um, if you're young, let's just say you're in your 20s and you're watching me right now. You're a young man and you're 20 years old. Look at me. Look closely at me. I am your future. This is what's going to happen to you. I know it's shocking, but it's true. Teenagers, teenagers think that old people just emerged from the basement. It's like they were nowhere in the world, and then suddenly they just come, came up out of the cellar, and they emerged, and they walked into the room. Whoa, there's an old person. Where did they come from? Let me just remind you, if you're young, so as you are, once I was. As you are, once I was. And as I am, soon you will be. No, yes, no, yes, yes, it will happen to you. No one, see, no one makes it their goal to get old. No one does. You just wake up one morning, you look in the mirror and you go, eh, what? Who is, who is that in the mirror? You don't recognize them. But, but even though that's what I find in the mirror right now, at this stage of my life, listen to me, I'm still in here. 
The, the guy that, that, that I know is still in there. Uh, the, when I look in the mirror right now, that's not me. That's not. And so so I'm, in, I'm in here. But what you see right now, this isn't, this isn't the real me. Um, the, the, guy, the guy in here, the guy in here, now you have to use your imagination. The guy in here can still dunk a basketball or throw a baseball 90 miles an hour. That's, that's, in, that, that's the guy in here, <laughs> not the guy you're looking at. So, for example, here's, here's something. If you're, if you're a young man watching right now, here's, I, I, do this. Mom and dad make them do this. So they're a teenager in your house. Reach up and grab your hair. This, if you're a boy, reach up and grab your hair and just hold, grab it like that. You got, you got it? You got a hold of it? Now say this, bye-bye. Because there is nothing more transient in all of humanity than the hairline of a man. Nothing. So just, just nothing's more fleeting. So come to terms with that. So here's what you have to do. You have to be committed to your purpose. You have to be committed to your sense of destiny. You don't ever let go of God's best design for your life. You know what he's called you to do. You have a sense of purpose. You have, a, you have, a, you have goals in mind. They are out there in front of you. Don't ever let go of them, no matter what happens to you. Endure hardship. Do it gladly. Keep your eye on the goal. Prepare well. And, and, and continue to endure. This is, this is how you finish. You run well all the way to the end. Now, this brings me to the last point, number four. Finish well. Finish well. Now, back to that drunk taxi driver. Can you see him for a moment? That ex-Baptist preacher. I imagine he started out well. He started out well. He ran well. But something happened. What happened? Somewhere along the line, he took his eye off the, off the goal off the prize, off the finish. So what do you have to do? You have to endure. You have to endure hardship. You have to prepare well. You have to run well by keeping your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the finish line. And then you finish well. Many of you know that my best friend in the world, Reverend Dr. Mark Beeson, has uh, been on a cancer journey. I had my last conversation with Mark not long ago. And it was a very poignant conversation. It's one that, while we weren't looking forward to it, we knew that we would have it, and we did. And we said to each other all the things that you need to say to your closest friend. And rehearsing our friendship was a very emotional thing for us. Mark was the one who's going. He, he was going to leave the earth first. And so this is what he said to me. These are his last words to me. 
He said, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> he said, don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep him in focus. He said, lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, every sin that so easily besets us. And run with endurance the race that's still in front of you. And he blessed me with those words. And he prayed God's blessing and anointing over me with those words. And he could have just as easily included also, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So can I just say, can I admonish you? Can I encourage you? Keep your long-term goal in mind. Stay at it. And like my friend Mark, finish well. Finish well. And here's the last great thing you want to hear from God. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and cute, or good and smart, or good and talented, but well done, thou good, faithful servant. Well done. Let's pray. Lord, we pause today in the end of this very challenging season, this year, 2020, and we surrender our lives afresh and anew into your care as we look to 2021. God, fill us with hope, fill us with optimism, fill us with peace, fill, fill us with expectancy. God, fill us with the kinds of things that will cause us to move forward in the context of your calling destiny and purpose for our lives individually and collectively so Lord today thank you for the grace as we look back and as we look forward the grace to endure hardship that we will use every challenge as an opportunity to grow every opportunity to learn and prepare ourselves and Lord help us to run not only to start well but to run well Run for the long haul, keeping our eye on the goal, the author and the finish of our faith, the one who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it if we keep our eyes on the goal, on the prize, so that every one of us within the sound of my voice today, that we would come to the end of our days and we would be able to rest in the confidence and assurance and hope that we have finished well, honoring God, providing hope, for those around us. Thank you, God, for your grace that makes this possible. And for the models of men and women who have gone before us, who have started well, who have run well, and finished well. Praise be to God. May we, may we be numbered among their ranks. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Amen.